BMG Partners and 1494 2AY presents The Journey Podcast. The stories you're about to hear are true. They shine a light on the events and incidents, known and unknown, that have shaped the lives of the Albury-Wodonga region's most intriguing personalities, local legends and unsung heroes. So sit back and enjoy. Once again, welcome back for the journey and this time around speaking to a lady I don't think I've met before really in depth, which is, I guess, the rewarding part of this job is is meeting people around Albury-Wodonga and the region and that have some really interesting backstories that perhaps people don't even know and, and other people I haven't met before or had the privilege of, of finding out a bit more about. Alison Percy joins me this time around. How are you, Alison? Good, thanks, Kevin. Nice to meet you too. Likewise. And um, let's start with as we always do on the journey, your heritage to our region. Um, were you born <clears> here? Did you move here for school? What happened? Um, but both my husband and my family have lived here for generations. Uh, I'm a farmer's daughter. I think that's got a nice ring to it. Um, grew up on a farm um, in Jindra, north of Albury. Um, my dad's a fourth-generation farmer, uh, wheat and sheep mainly, and I grew up in a homestead, the third homestead built on the property, and my dad helped his his brother and helped dad build it. So, yeah, uh, mum, mum's family have lived here for generations too. Her her mother was um, from Wangaratta. Um, my grandfather was a master butcher. Um, he built butcher shops, um, numerous ones around town that everybody would know, and a home in East Albury. Um, yeah, so been here forever. Great. Yeah. I actually with the schools too. Um, I went to Mum went to Aubrey High. I went to Aubrey High. My brother and sister, our children went to Aubrey High. Um, my dad went through um, St John's Lutheran School in Jindra, and I went there for a little while. But it was so small, I was the only one in the class. So we moved into town to Lavington Public School, and then Aubrey High. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Oh. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, no, our children went to St John's as well, right through St John's. So we lived in town but then went back out to the school. So yeah. so you know the area pretty well. We do. We can't go anywhere without saying hi to somebody, which is actually lovely. It's Yeah, I like it. Now, when I do my research before we do a journey, I, I have to try to find out sometimes what, what it is people do or what their friends or family know them for. You're an artist. Mm-hmm. I am. Let's, let's talk about that. Is that something, how did you become an artist? Uh, I always wanted to be an artist. Um, never thought I would be because when you went through school in my generation, you either became a teacher, a secretary or a nurse. Um, <laughs> and of course, what are you going to do for a real job? So um, straight out of high school, I thought I'd um, do an advanced secretarial course filling in time while I thought, well, what am I going to do? Because I just want to be an artist. Um, so halfway through the year coming out of high school, a family friend handed a um, cutting for an advertisement for a trainee designer at the Border Mail in the art department. So I didn't want to go go for it because I hadn't finished the course, mm. but I thought, well, that's a bit silly. You, you're better because those jobs don't come along. Um got the job and yeah so jobs design jobs weren't they weren't available there was only one other um, commercial agency in town so um, I feel very privileged to have got the job and it was to do I did a lot of illustration work um, design I learned logo design copywriting setting up photography shoots you know the 
the skill set that I got has actually, I worked there for 10 years, it's set me up for life for everything that I do. So, yeah. It's important to have some of these employers in town. So from that um, real life experience and probably being able to turn your interest into a career there for that 10 year period, where did you go on to from there? Um, an opportunity came up for uh, a job at Ross Graphics, um, not Rice Graphics, Ross Graphics, um, and they were they dealt with national um, companies. So I was an account manager and designer, um, Uncle Ben's for Uncle, with Uncle Ben's. Um, so all of a sudden, I was you know had to have meetings with um, brand managers in the marketing department, open plan, you know, a couple hundred people in the room. It was. It was a lot of growing up to do in straight away to deal with that, but it was terrific and a lot of those people became good friends. So, um, yeah, I only worked there for a couple of years because then I decided to have a family. Um, yeah, so did freelance work from home, illustration, um, design work, logo design. Um, when the work came along, I loved it, got into it, and then when I was quiet, I was it was fine because then I would just do extra things with the children. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did you really get to sit in front of a canvas or something like that in terms of artistry? Because I know you love um, sort of the Australian nature, mm-hmm. features quite heavily in yes. your works. Yes, So when did you get to really hone in on that and focus on it? Um, oh, yeah, my journey's quite winding. Um when I was training as a designer, I, I went to art school at night time. It was uh, Riverina College then, it's now Charles Sturt. I uh, majored in painting. Uh, then I did a couple of years, before that I did a couple of years of ticket writing, show card and ticket writing. Everything that I've trained for in the early days is traditional methods. Um, the design side was with the scalpel. Everything was done by hand before computers. Um, now I'm upskilled with that. Um, show card and ticket writing, all the signs in shops were all handwritten. So that's where the calligraphy side comes in. I've done um, freelance calligraphy as well, um, as well as interior colour schemes and um, styling for properties. So it's sort of, and and I've not, yeah, they've just all come about because of my passion for colour and um, art and design. So, um, yeah, where the art came back in, um, as the children got into upper high school, I'm thinking, okay, they're driving themselves around now and not needing me as much. I think I better have a look at what's right for me now that I can add in that I haven't had or that I've put aside. So, um, and that was my art, even though I was um, illustrating and designing and working with colour, the freedom of art for art's sake was very different. So. I joined all the galleries, um, started going to exhibition openings, um, start, went back to life drawing, um, capturing the live model, you know, a group of artists would get together and do that. Uh, I hadn't done that for 28 years or 27 years, so it was a bit epic, but um, it gradually got back into it and I love it and it's the foundation of the work that I do. Um, yeah, so I've been doing that for about 18 months and... Um, I was volunteering at Gigs Art Gallery on the Causeway and someone said, oh, you don't know anyone that 
could fill a solo exhibition spot because I don't have enough work ready for it. And I said, well, actually, I've got enough for four exhibitions. <laughs> and it was all nudes, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know whether I've seen an all-nude solo in Norbury Wodonga, but I thought, well, you know. So anyway, that was early 2015. So I had my first solo, and seven years later I've had 12 solos, 42 group exhibitions, and another two this year art fairs. So, yeah, it's just I'm full-time. I often talk to people about their hobbies and interests outside of work, and the intriguing part here is your work <laughs> is a lot of people's hobbies and interests. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you do away from <laughs> What's your outlet that yeah, isn't your work? That's a very good oh. question. I'm working on it. Um, my, my work is not work, um, even though it's full time. Um, I treat it as a business, except for when I'm producing the work. I produce it 100% for me. I don't produce it for sales. I don't do commissions that people are steering me to match this cushion or whatever. You know, I say to them, if I have aha moments along the way in the journey, are you happy for me to run with it? And they say, yeah, that's why we're wanting you to do it, because you're the artist. So it's it's a win-win there, because um, commissions can be a little bit um, daunting if the client's wanting you to do this and this and this. But I think the breadth of my work... Um, is long enough now that people can see and know what they're going to get. And I've taken briefs since I was 18 for design, so I know how to talk and what they want and what they like, and then I'd just be me. So um, did I answer your question or did I get sidetracked then? (laughs) (laughs) I get sidetracked. I guess it's it's, what what is it that you do? Oh, that's right, it's a hobby you were saying. It's a hobby because, you know. Um, I love to read about other artists, go to exhibition openings, artist talks. So um, I love gardening, um, going up, going through the Keel Valley, up the Falls Creek, the Bogong High Plains Road and up onto the Bogong High Plains. Um, we spend a lot of time up there. It's like our second home. Um, my husband's a mad skier, so the rest of the family are now mad skiers. Um, <laughs> but these days I tend to want to um, paint plein air, which is out in the open. Um, it's funny, I was along... Rocky Valley Dam, Rocky Valley um, Lake there one day and a ranger pulled up and she said, what are you cooking? I said, I'm not cooking, I'm painting. So I had the table and the thermoses and, of course, I had the painting apron on (laughs) and I was doing this with a long handle, so she thought I was stirring. Um, Yeah, and I've had people pull up. I was painting in Mount Beauty and a fella said to me, you got a flat tie, love. Do you need some? Uh, you know, do you need a hand? And I said, "Oh, good, happy painting, thanks." Um, you know, yeah. So, um, I love floating on the Murray River on a tire tube. I love doing that. Camping, love camping. Love sleeping under canvas, even if it's raining. I love the sound of the canvas. Um, yeah, it's just and no schedule, no schedule. That's when I really. That's the only time I really get. 100% downtime. Um, yeah. The relaxation and switching yeah, off. Yeah. And we talk about people in the journey about uh, who who you admire. Is there anybody that you particularly admire in life? I mean, it sounds like you you like to be inspired. Yeah. 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 Um, I I don't go around admiring people, but I I admire the qualities in people. Um, I'm pretty down to earth. What you see is what you get. Um, I don't need to be impressed. Um, I love open, honest, caring, sharing people. 
which sounds pretty basic, but you you know when someone's really engaged and talking with you, and that's their. I admire those sort of people. Um, it's genuine good people. Um, I do admire people that do good for the community um, to make change and aren't afraid of change. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> I like it. Um, the the greatest quote you've heard, or is there like a mantra? that you like and maybe you've applied to your life? Um, I'm not very good with remembering quotes. I can and who sing, they were. <laughs> yep, I can sing a song and not know what the words are that I'm singing. I just sing them. I don't know who the band is or what the title is. Um, but there actually are a couple, and I don't know whether they come from mum or, or, or what, but um, one's Never Say Never because you, and I, these are very basic quotes, but... You never, you never know what your journey ahead's going to be, and what twists and turns might happen, and what influences you might have. So, what you might say you'd never do, you you just may well. So, I just find that one a good one. Um, and oh, there was one more. Um, nothing stays the same forever, and I think that's a really good one because. It frees you to to be more open and not so structured and locked into things. Um, things change, and nothing nothing stays the same forever. And that that helps you with times of difficulty as well. You know, if something's worrying you or annoying you, that that will change. Yeah, nothing stays the same forever. I like it. Now this is good, Alison. <laughs> 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 and before we started this, you were saying, you know, about, about being outside the comfort zone a bit, you know, about the, even this sort of opportunity and things like it that, is. how we all um, take these things in our stride. And achievements in life, what do you think the biggest achievement for you has been so far? I think a lot of people would say this, but, um, yeah, having family, um, yeah, I've never wanted for much, but... When I was growing up, I thought to be happy, essentially in life, if you can be happy, then it's pretty good. Um, and if you find someone that you love and they love you for who you are, well, then that's that's another bonus. Um, and to possibly have children one day and uh, and to own my own home by the time I was 30. <laughs> just little basic things like that that I just thought, you know... If that's what I can get out of life, then life's pretty good. Um, yeah, so life has been very good to me. That's yeah. it. Well, I, I guess if, you, if your expectations are quite achievable and quite simple, you, you avoid the disappointment, therefore you're happy. That's right. And, yeah, yeah, that's right. And we've all heard of sliding door moments where people had forks in the road and I think you've already sort of highlighted one of yours in life where you're still doing a qualification but you sort of have this sort of what might have been your dream job come up before you were sort of finishing your course. Um, have you got some sliding door moments in life or where things could have gone a different way or you ever wonder if you made a different decision? Yeah, no, I don't. Um, I never... I, I try not to worry about what could have been or what should be, um, being more in the present. Um, yeah. Um, I suppose... Actually, yeah, in Year 10... Um, one of our classmates had a year 10 party at the end of the year because some people were leaving and I was invited and the um, class friends said invited 
um, his neighbour across the road over because mm-hmm. um, they were good mates. And, yeah, I met this person, thought, had a great chat, and I thought, I'm going to marry him one day. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that because I, you know, I wasn't looking for a boyfriend or anything. Mm. Um, anyway, ended up being my husband. So there you go. There so, you go. Yeah, 40, 42 years we've been together and married for 35. Um, yeah, so if I hadn't have met John at that party, um, yeah, it just, yeah. You just <laughs> Sorry, knew. It's so corny. <laughs> <laughs> It's a simplistic farm life, girl. It's a a good corny because I don't think many people have that luck. Because because if you think of all the transactions and all the people on the planet and all the rest, it's just by chance at that. And I'm not the sort of person to think, I don't think, okay, I wouldn't have expected to have thought that thought because I wasn't looking for a boyfriend. They were just trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the thing is he wasn't looking for a girlfriend either. So, um, yeah, and the that's, again, in life when you're just open to things and just doing your thing. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, What's the toughest decision you've had to make in life so far? I'm actually a very private person, even though I'm a chatty person. Um, so I think the sixth most toughest decision I've had to make... <laughs> Is because life is life, yeah. um, and it's not a decision. It's actually l- letting the children leave home. You know, I was pretty happy with them at home, but you know, they needed to follow their passion, and they can't live at home forever. Well, maybe they could, but <laughs> I don't want to. Um, yeah. So that was that's hard because we're a tight family unit, and family to both of my husband's family and. My family is everything. So mm. anyway, it's all good. I just knew that, um, yeah. You've got to go back to, be. to you. Nothing stays the same forever. Yes, yeah, see, exactly. <laughs> and this is, I think this is where I've learnt these, these things, um, the good tools to have. Um, you've spoken fondly and reflected upon how you met your husband. <laughs> Poor John. <laughs> he's a good bloke. <laughs> so is that the greatest thing that's ever happened to yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he's a... He's a He's a family man. Um, yeah, he's he's actually become my studio assistant. He, d- he doesn't know it, but he is. <laughs> um, yeah, I order stretcher bars in and um, linen by the rolls and he puts them together. He's a builder, um, but he puts them together, stretches the linen for me and then he makes the timber float frames as well. So he works full time and then spends other time helping me and he does do a lot of hours for me because I'm quite busy. Mm. Um, but he offered to do it. I, I didn't beg him. <laughs> <laughs> Long-suffering uh, husband. <laughs> yeah, and he's a real family man. Um, I actually hadn't held a baby until we were expecting a baby. Mm. Um, and he's the youngest of a big family So and changed babies' nappies and loved kids. So I thought, I'll be right. I've got John. <laughs> oh, dear. So you explained that you sort of always wanted to be an artist you know, back at the start, like you know, mm-hmm. that's what you wanted to do. Yep. Was that the was that the childhood dream? Like, did you yeah, always? Yeah, yeah. What age do you think you thought that was just your thing, being creative? Um, it's not because I had the skills. Um, my earliest memory of art, or that the art existed, 
was watching my farmer father. Now, he worked out on the land. He didn't do this sort of thing. But I saw him meticulously sketching a bird's feathers with graphite, this little sketch copying from out of a book. And I thought, where'd that come from? You know, it's just, I couldn't believe it. It was so meticulous. And then I also um, recall um, a gouache painting study of a turkey. Why turkey? I don't know. But it, it was beautiful and it was in an old sketchbook. Um, and actually that was lost for 20 years. I loved it. It was lost for 20 years, but I was going through some books and came across it. <laughs> I got on the phone. I'm ringing somebody. You know, <laughs> I was just so excited. I found this um, this sketch, so I'll get it framed. But... <clears throat> Yeah, that was my first understanding of art um, and I used to see people that would draw and they'd draw people and i think, well, how did they do that? So I'd draw a person, it was a stick person. I, And this is why I'm passionate about tutoring. I tutor at the Murray Art Museum, um, life drawing from the live model and acrylic painting for beginners and then the next level for studio sessions that follows on um, because... Everybody can learn to draw or paint. Some are born with the skills and they can do it, but everyone can learn. If you've got the foundational skills um, and the knowledge um, and key things of what to look for, and, yeah, just with the study that I did, um, that's how I learnt to, to do what I do. And you're always learning as an artist. You never sit still. Do you find that people <clears throat> with messy handwriting aren't as good an artist? I'm just asking for myself, benefiting. <laughs> It doesn't make any difference. You could be an abstract artist. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Just throwing blotches everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, it's – and, yeah, there's lots of different ways to, to be an artist. So – and or, or that's actually a good point. One of the two most important things other than skills and to enjoy the um, process for students, um, I love to share what I wished I knew when I started painting. So I've packed that down and in the order that I feel will be most beneficial – and to not worry about what people are thinking. Um, most people, when they start out, want to make a pretty picture. I say that all the time, that you're not here to make a pretty picture. And to not worry about what people are going to think or what per the person's doing next to you. Um, because that's actually one of the biggest hindrances. Because if you're worried about that, well, how can you be free to, to explore and be you? And I want people to find their own mark making. I don't teach people how to paint like me. I've just grown into painting like me. No one taught me how to paint like me, and I want that for the for everybody too. So, I'd like to know what your style will be. And <laughs> <laughs> um, with the benefit of hindsight, is there any advice you'd give a younger you? <laughs> yeah, not to worry so much. Um, I'm quite particular. I've got a, a pretty good eye for detail because of working um, in the industry, but. Um, yeah, I'm working on that. Um, yeah, not to worry so much. I think everybody feels that too. Mm. Yeah. Um, five years from now, so the next sort of chapter, I guess, in your journey, what does it look like? <laughs> um, working smarter, not harder, um, and that's not being lazy. I've, when that opportunity came along for my first solo in May 2015, I've been on the run since October 2014, and that's no exaggeration. I mean, we do sneak up to the mountain to ski and have time out, but it's not real downtime. Um, 
I work really hard and I've loved it. Um, I want to grow and focus on my arts practice and have a full-time career from it and and I've achieved that. Um, There's good rhythm in where I'm at with exhibitions, sales and commissions so it's time for look to take time out for me, um, maybe to do a bit of travelling. Um, I like to paint out in the open so John can fish, I can paint. Um, yeah, and to keep painting, I can't see myself not painting um, but maybe just having a little bit more time for self. Mm. So reflecting on your past during this conversation, are you on track to sort of achieve those things you've just identified that you want to do next? Yeah, yeah. I've been um, fortunate to have been in a workshop with Creative Plus Business. Um, It's a Sydney um, company and they work with creative industries people and so I've been working with a business advisor and we only had a meeting yesterday um, and she, she said what you've just listed and said is where you've wanted to be and that keeps happening so I keep striving and raising the level of where I'm wanting to be so yeah but it'll it'll still keep going um mm. not sure good. if I answered that question either no, you didn't. <laughs> I get a bit sidetracked um, we're living with COVID <clears throat> now because COVID sort of put a halt on everything including the journey um, the journey had quite a few months where we didn't get to talk to people because we couldn't gather. And yeah, I was wondering about that because I thought, I wonder if I've missed seeing interviews with people with no, masks because of the paused. distance. No, we paused for a bit until the rules allowed us to do it again and what have you. But um, it's interesting having spoken to different people from different walks of life over the you know before living with COVID. I mean, we've lived with COVID the whole time, but the impact and how a lot of people had so many positives. Like they they were happy to have the kids home to school to mm. some degree because it was time they didn't get before, or mm. or they found a new way to do their business better. Yeah. And what's the impact sort of had on you living through a pandemic? Because it's a significant moment in history. Mm, it this is. This is like a world war. This is like a previous pandemic. This is this is one of those history markers that we're all here now part of mm. living. What's what's it taught you? Um, it, it's interesting because working as an artist in my home studio. You're, you're solitary anyway, um, but it made that solitary time even more obvious because I wasn't getting to exhibition openings or meeting up with artists to chat or um, going to artist talks. Um, yeah, I, I really felt for um, the people in the cities um, in particular that were under restrictions, especially people in the creative industries that actually couldn't go to their studios to work um, or leave home. Um, I actually had a major solo exhibition in Melbourne CBD as COVID was coming in. We got up at four in the morning, had a my art box, um, John built, on the back of the four-wheel drive full of artworks. Drove down in the dark and, you know, they were shutting the airports. They were getting people to work from home and I'm thinking, and here's us travelling down to the city for this exhibition. I'm thinking, why are we doing this? But of course, you, you can't stop. So we set up, spent a day setting up. Um, John, actually, it's a huge exhibition space at 45 downstairs in um, Flinders Lane. One of the walls is 18 metres, the other one's 16 by three or four or five metres. One of the works actually wouldn't fit in there because of the staircase. Mm. Um, So we actually had to 
take it off the stretcher bars, take the float, saw through the float frame to get it in, take it in, re-stretch it, re-glue the frames, um, set it up on the wall. It's epic. Um, did I say 3.2 metres by 3.5? So oh, it's wow. big work. That day, the next day, the exhibition opened. Opening was that evening and we went into lockdown with um, stay-at-home, no um, res- number restrictions. So we left the next day with the exhibition in the dark for 10 months, um, picturing that big work on the wall, hoping it hadn't fallen off. Um, yeah, so living in where we live here, um, we're pretty fortunate with the restrictions. We were. I live in New South Wales, so there was more freedom there. But you know, when I was tutoring, um, students couldn't cross the border. Um, mm. People had to stay at home because you know they got a message to stay at home. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've gone sidetracked again there. No, what, um, a, what a reflection of what it's done to the the arts industry, really. Uh, like as you said, you've set up a substantial amount of work expecting crowds en masse to enjoy over a period of time than it just sits there in the dark. Huge investment too. Yeah. Mega. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. A lot of people wouldn't realise the cost involved with setting up an exhibition. But, you know, again, I just thought, well, look, you know, hopefully we'll come out of lockdown and I was fortunate that they gave me um, a couple of weeks um, of an exhibition again, which was great. Um, yeah. I just loved seeing families walking around with their children, going to parks that, mm. and having picnics. They never did that before COVID, so you know that's a positive. Mm. They almost look a bit empty. Some of the walking tracks nowadays. I compared know. To I know. Ago. I know. Hopefully, though, people will still retain a little bit of that. We've all, we've all found the old rhythm, though. I Hopefully. think a bit. <laughs> Actually, a, b- a big impact for me, and I really started to feel it was not being able to go up onto the high country. Mm. Um, even if people that um, we worked with, if they lived in Victoria, they could actually travel up, but we could live three blocks away from them and not. Um, and that's my respite. So I really, really noticed the difference with that. And my husband too, because that's his passion. Mm. Um, yeah, so once, once Falls Creek was brought into the border bubble, that was magic. Oh, it was magic. But mind you, we were chasing mountains and then we'd get locked down so we couldn't go to Falls Creek. Um, Threadbow, we'd book Threadbow, then it'd go into lockdown. So everywhere we tried to go, it changed. So, But anyway, this year. <laughs> we're all still here. That's the main thing. Oh, that's right. Um, let's have a bit of fun as we start to wrap up your journey, Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, oldie but a goodie, you're able to have three people at dinner table. Alive or dead, take your pick. <laughs> now, you being a creative person, I'm putting big pressure on you here. I know you're simple, though, as well, in terms of your expectations and what have you, but what three uh, people would you have at the dinner table with you? Uh, would you believe it? Artists? Yeah. <laughs> um, Mary Tonkin, she's a, a Melbourne artist. Uh, she's, a, she's just a beautiful soul, quietly spoken, really knowledgeable about... Um, Nature, um, she paints outdoors, huge canvases. One series she did was 19 metres long and each piece was two metres high. Um, I met her in Melbourne at her solo exhibition. She's just really open and friendly and really giving in a conversation, so she'd be lovely. Um, Who else? Um, Jonathan Jones, he's a Wiradjuri um, and what's... 
his people over Adri and Killeroy, Killeroy, I think. Um, He's a Sydney artist, um, works with sculpture, drawing and installations and he loves to work with community and to bring the old to the new. I'm not describing this very well. Um, He likes to bring up old stories that are within the local communities and bring them to a current place in installations. Um, I again had the privilege of meeting him um, at Murray Art Museum. He was doing an artist talk and he's such a beautiful spirit. He's quietly spoken but so informative. His, his passion and knowledge for country is gives you goosebumps Mm. Um, and very sharing again. So he'd be fantastic. I'll just sit and listen to those two talk. Um, And Catherine Cassidy, for fun, she uh, is a Sydney abstract artist, uh, very contemporary, loads of energy. Uh, Again, met her in, I went to one of her workshops in Cronulla and she throws her artist books around and thinks of shows, shares quotes and things and She's just cheeky and energetic. She'd be awesome. Um, and I do think I actually am a tennis player. Um, Ash Barty, of course. Ah. I've thrown an extra one in. Wouldn't she yeah. be fabulous? She's just uh, she's just a good old, all-round wonderful person. Yeah, just mm. relaxed, really, isn't she? She just is. seems so relaxed. Yeah. And, and I need to have her then. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Ash. And so... Uh, What's the what's the dish? Is it the sweet or savoury in your taste buds when you've got the got them sitting there with you? Yeah, definitely savoury. I love herbs and spices. I love savoury, and I, I actually love um, dishes that savoury dishes that you pass around the table, and it's like this community of sharing and talking that goes for ages. You know, like the meal never ends. Mm. Um, when I was younger, though, shocking sweet tooth, <laughs> uh, but no. You can always leave a little bit of room for that. Yeah. And and as we chat now, you know, this weekend, if it's an ordinary weekend, what do you usually plan to do of a weekend? Uh, well, often up into the high country um, during the ski season every second weekend. Um, but we're actually heading to Threadbow, four nights. Can't wait. Haven't been there for too long. It's for a very long time, sorry. So it's been too long since I've been there. Um, with family and extended family. So really looking forward to that. And I'm not painting either. Oh, good. Just relaxing. (laughs) Good. Well, Alison, Percy, really appreciate you giving us a little over half an hour of your time to have a chat about your journey and and, there'll be new people that get exposed to you and what it is you do and and what makes you tick and how much you appreciate, I guess, what you've had in life. So thank you so much for spending some time with me. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.